While we're doing that, you can turn to our passage for this morning. It is uh, the book of Ruth, chapter 2. So we did chapter 1 last week. We'll be doing chapter 2 this week. And we're not going to read it ahead beforehand because it's a long passage. Um, Hopefully as I go through, it doesn't feel long, but it is a long passage. Well, one fun thing that I like to do with my family is go, uh, let's take them fruit picking. Um, Taking the farms, let let the kids go pick vegetables and fruits. We recently one time went to a farm where they had rows and rows of blackberry bushes. And it was a blast. We had a great time. But we showed up late. We came in the afternoon. And they had baskets that they were giving out to people. You could purchase these baskets so you could take home berries. And we came too late for the baskets, so we couldn't do that. So, but we still went berry picking anyways. They took us out to a, with the tractor out to the fields, and we went out to the rows of blackberry bushes, and most of the berries were gone by then. Um, we still had fun, but uh, going after everyone, um, they, a, a lot of the berries were gone. What I noticed that a lot of the berries on the very top of the bushes, they were pretty tall, were still there, so I got to walk by and just pick and eat as many as I wanted, but my kids couldn't didn't have that privilege. Um, I had to pick them up. Um, but you also have to, I mean, there's, there's berries on the ground, a lot of them smush. You have to tell your kids not to pick them up and eat them. And, you know, we, we had a great time, but I, I went through all, we went through all the bushes and it was only an hour, but it was at the hottest part of the day. And I was just exhausted afterwards. Um, I'll take them again someday, I'm sure. But it was very tiring. And we got to snack on some berries, but we didn't have a basket to take home, which was a little disappointing. So all the way back, the tractor ride back to our cars, we ran to a friend that, uh, that Ruth had met randomly. She, she, I mean, she, she meets people in parks and is able to strike up friendships. And so this is a Japanese woman that she met at the park. And she, they saw us, and they were excited to see us. And they have one kid, but they had three baskets full of blackberries. And so they were like, here, take two. And so we... They gave us two, and we we're like, we don't need two baskets of blackberries, but they gave them to us, and they're just filled to the brim. And so I'm holding these two giant baskets of blackberries, just thinking, what in the world am I going to do with all this food, with all these blackberries? I don't remember what we did. I think they lasted just quite a few days. <laughs> the reason I mentioned that story is because today we're going to be talking about uh, Ruth gleaning for wheat in the fields, and the closest thing I've ever done to gleaning wheat is picking blackberries. Um, Ruth will be working all day in the fields uh, to glean wheat. I got exhausted after one hour of picking blackberries. And uh, Ruth will be doing it in an environment that could be potentially hostile. And I just had a carefree, fun time picking blackberries um, in the field. But one, in one way that is also similar is that uh, Ruth will also be giving just a ridiculous amount of food by the end of her day of work. And just like Ruth and I were also giving a ridiculous amount of blackberries. So that's where we are in the book of Ruth. We're in Ruth chapter 2. And uh, the book starts to look more hopeful here in this chapter than it did in chapter 1. Um, if you remember from chapter 1, we're in the context of the book of Judges. Not a good time uh, to 
be a story in the book of the Bible, in the book of Judges. Um, it's a time where Israel, more often than not, does not acknowledge Yahweh as king. They do what is right in their own eyes, which is always a problem. They're incorporating the worship of other gods with Yahweh. And in chapter 1, we saw um, Elimelech and his family left Bethlehem because there was a famine, right? And Naomi and her sons, well, just her sons, not Naomi too, but her sons married Moabite women in Moab. They left Bethlehem for, because of a famine, went to Moab, and their sons married Moabite women. And then tragedy strikes. She loses her husband, and then she loses her two sons. And so now Naomi and her two daughters-in-law are widows in Moab. And so Naomi hears about food coming back to Bethlehem. She decides she's going to go back to Bethlehem, but she tells her daughters-in-law to stay in Moab because they have family there. They have people who can take care of them. And she acknowledges that they have loved her with a loyal love, that that verb uh, or word chesed in Hebrew that is used to describe uh, Ruth and Orpah, often used to describe God. And Orpah leaves understandably, but Ruth clings to Naomi and she gives this vow of devotion, this incredible vow of devotion to stay with Naomi no matter what and also to depend on Yahweh for her well-being. She leaves that detestable god Chemish that the Moabites worship and she goes to Yahweh with Naomi. And so they come back to Bethlehem and everybody's all excited. Can this be Naomi when they walk into the city? And Naomi is bitter and angry at the Lord, and she says, don't call me Naomi, that means pleasant one. She says, call me Mara, which means bitterness. And so, on that note, Naomi, Mara, and Ruth are now in Bethlehem. And the chapter ends in verse 22. It says, so Naomi returned, and with her, Ruth the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law, who returned from the land of Moab, and they came to Bethlehem, at the beginning of the barley harvest. Okay, so they left Bethlehem during the famine. They came back at the beginning of the barley harvest. There's some hope here because what Ruth and Naomi need as they're coming to Bethlehem is food and family. And so we see the potential here, at least, for food at the end of chapter 1. So we jump off on that hopeful note and we begin in verse 1 of chapter 2. And it says... Now Naomi had a kinsman of her husband, a man of great wealth of the family of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. Okay, now this is a heading starting off chapter two. Um, as far as we know, uh, Ruth is not aware of Boaz, and it, but it's still big news to the reader because we don't know a lot about Boaz, but we know that he is a man of great. It says great wealth. It means a man of great prominence, well-known. He's wealthy, but also uh, um, prominent within the city. But he's also uh, a fam of the clan of Elimelech, of the same clan as Naomi and Ruth. Okay, And that's a big deal because if um, in Israel they had the 12 tribes and then the, um, the, each tribe was divided into these clans. And within these clans there were laws for the prominent men of Israel to be able to redeem land and redeem people. And we'll get into that a little bit more later. But we understand this is, um, as, as readers of this story, this is good and potentially very, 
this is hopeful and potentially very good news because family is very important this time. I think we can understand that. They won't be by themselves, potentially. They potentially could be provided for. Okay, but Ruth doesn't know that, and so she's not aware of this man yet, at least. And so we see in verse 2 what Ruth is going to do. It says, And Ruth the Moabitess said to Naomi, Please let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after one in whose sight I might, may find favor. And she said to her, Naomi, go, my daughter. <clears throat> okay, so there's a lot to unpack in this verse. First of all, notice that all throughout the book, but I think three times in this chapter, the narrator, the author, is going to identify Ruth as the one from Moab. Okay, um, and he does this on purpose. Because she is not an Israelite, okay? And, and race is still a big deal, as it is throughout all of history. She's not an Israelite. She's a Moabite. What Ruth is going to do is try to glean in the field. Now, we know Ruth and Naomi have just returned to Bethlehem. So the question is, you know, what are they going to do? Where are they going to live? Um, you know, how are they going to get help if there's this kinsman in this clan, Boaz, why hasn't he helped them yet? Why doesn't he help them? And we'll answer those questions. Um, but first of all, where are Ruth and Naomi? They're in the city. Elimelech probably sold his land before he left for the famine. So they're coming back um, probably with not much money. I don't know where they're staying. They're in the city somewhere. But what they have to do immediately is, is find a way to make food, or get food, I mean. And so, Ruth, what is happening here is, is probably happening very, very soon after they get to Bethlehem. She says, let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain. Okay, so first we have to ask, what is gleaning? Gleaning is a fantastic word, but it's not just a fantastic word. It's also the process of gathering ears of grain from stalks. And so what she plans on doing is following after the harvesters, um, hopefully with permission, and picking up any pieces of grain that they happen to drop or accidentally pass by. Okay, and so we know from ancient practices that harvesters during that time um, who were working were very, very careful to get all the grain that they were supposed to get and to hold on to it and to put it in piles. And so she is only getting what they accidentally pass up or drop by. Um, and so it's a very frugal amount of food that she would be gleaning from. One commentator uh, compared it to gathering recycling cans for change. You're not going to get much from this. You're going to get something, though. It's just a, a, a way to get by. So this is probably why God, uh, he gave a specific law, we see in the book of Leviticus, concerning gleaning. It says in Leviticus 19, 9 through 10, Now when you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap to the very corners of your field, nor shall you gather the gleanings of your harvest, nor shall you glean your vineyard, nor shall you gather the fallen fruit of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the needy, for the stranger. Okay, and that's stranger's foreigner. I am the Lord your God. Uh, God made a way for the Israelite people to provide for the poor. So that's the first reason that God does this. He does this a lot throughout his law. He provides ways um, for the poor to get what they need. Okay? Um, that's one reason why he does this. Another reason uh, why he does this is because it 
it discourages greed among the wealthy. Okay, your fields are not there to squeeze out every amount of profit that you can. It's to encourage the landowners and the wealthy to have a generous heart. Now, the question is, or the question was, so this is good news. There's, she's in Bethlehem. There's this law here that provides for the poor. The question is, is anybody following this law? All right, and this is the time of Judges. After going through the book of Judges, my guess would be no. There's not many people following the law. Um, so it's a risk because she's going to go into someone's field and she's going to try to take their grain. It's their economy. It's their profits. Um, and she's going to go in a field and try to take the grain for herself. She's a foreigner and she's a widow. If anyone were to come upon her or attack her or anything like that, who would defend her? Ruth is taking a risk in order to provide for her and Naomi. And I think Naomi understands the situation they are in, so she says, go, my daughter. Verse 3. So she departed and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she had happened to come to the portion of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the family of Elimelech, of the clan of Elimelech. Okay, And so the author is happy to remind you um, about this really, really happy coincidence um, that Ruth just happens to go into the field of Boaz, okay? And so the, the fields, they're, they're not divided by fences or anything like that, but they are adjacent, large portions of land adjacent to one another. But Boaz might, doesn't necessarily own all the fields that are next to each other. Um, they might be owned by different people. And so I think the author is trying to convey... Um, just how much of a coincidence this is that Ruth happened to walk out of Bethlehem, go to a field, and it happened to be Boaz's field. Uh, what are the chances of this happening? And obviously the coincidence is so amazing um, that it can't be a coincidence. God, Yahweh is guiding Ruth and her path. Um, and so she happens to come to the portion of the field belonging to Boaz, and she begins gleaning after the reapers, that process we talked about earlier. She's following after the reapers and trying to pick up what she can. So now that Ruth is in the field of Boaz, we finally get to see Ruth and Boaz interact. All right? Verses 4 and 5. Now behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said to the reapers, May the Lord be with you. And they said to him, May the Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his servant who was in charge of the reapers, whose young woman is this? Okay, so we know a little bit about Boaz. We know he's part of the clan of Elimelech, just as Naomi and Ruth are. But we don't know how he's going to treat Ruth when he finds out there's this foreign woman here. There's a little bit of suspension. But the good news is that when he comes and he greets the reapers, he, he greets them saying, may the Lord bless you. And so there's hope. Maybe this is someone who follows the laws of Yahweh. Maybe this is someone who will provide for Ruth. And they said to him, may the Lord bless you. Okay, maybe they have the fear of Yahweh in them as well. And then we see that Boaz acknowledges Ruth is there. Okay, now what we need to be careful to do is not to read into this that he um, acknowledges her there because she is attractive. Okay, I, I have done that before when, I, when I've taught this. It is not right. Okay, there's nothing in this passage that suggests 
here that he sees her because she's attractive. If, if the author wanted that, um, wanted us to know that was the reason why he saw her, then I think he can let us know. But, uh, but he does not. As far as we know, the reason he sees her is because he knows his workers. He knows how many workers he has, and there's one more. Okay, so he acknowledges her. Uh, she, he sees and he asks, whose young woman is this? Verses 6 and 7. The servant in charge of the reapers replied, she is a young Moabite woman who returned with Naomi from the land of Moab. And she said, please let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. Thus she came and has remained from morning until now. She has been sitting in the house for a little while. Okay, notice that they see her as a Moabite woman. Okay, that doesn't go unnoticed by anyone. They know that she's not um, a Jewish woman. Um, The author's going to continually remind us that Ruth is a Moabite. But we see that she's a hard worker devoted to getting food for Naomi. But the question, of course, as we mentioned before, what comes next is how will Boaz respond to this foreign Moabite taking his wheat? Verses 8 and 9. Then Boaz said to Ruth, Listen carefully, my daughter. Do not go to glean in any other field. Furthermore, do not go on from this one. But stay here with my maids. Let your eyes be on the field which they reap and go after them. Indeed, I have commanded the servants not to touch you. When you are thirsty, go to the water jars and drink from the, what the servants draw. Okay, we can breathe a sigh of relief because Ruth is obviously safe in the field of Boaz. I see my wife laughing over there. I'm not sure why. But anyways, well. Ruth is safe in the field of Boaz. Um, he, he ensures her safety. He tells her what not to do. Don't go glean in another field, because if she goes into another field, who knows what that owner will do. Um, there's an indication that she might not be safe in another field. Um, he tells her to stay with his maids. Okay, That's just the female servants. He tells her not to follow. It says servants here. That means the male servants. He has commanded them not to touch you, okay? There's an indication here that because she is a Moabite, a widow, a woman, um, coming to glean in Boaz's field, there is some danger of her being attacked, abused, or whatever. Um, There is some danger. So he has made sure that that would not happen to her. And then finally, he, he says, when you're thirsty, go to the water jars and drink. Okay, so you have to, to get water, you have to carry a jar to a well, fill it up and bring it back. It's, it's a lot of work. And he is telling her, as a foreign widow who just came to her field and started gleaning after uh, his reapers, that she can help herself to the water any time she wants. She, he is being extraordinarily generous and kind to Ruth. Verse 10, Boaz is being generous to Ruth. And it says in verse 10, Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favor in your sight that you should take notice of me since I am a foreigner? Okay, she's obviously very, there's a lot of gratitude. Okay, she's very thankful for what he has done. There also might be some concern as why he's treating her so well. So she 
prostrates herself. She bows down completely to Boaz. And so, of course, she is wondering why Boaz, a Jew, would be so kind to a Moabite woman who um, you would make the assumption that she still worships the uh, detestable god Chemish, right? Why is he being so kind to her? Let's go on to verses 11 and 12. Boaz replied to her, All that you have done for your mother-in-law after the death of your husband has been fully reported to me. And how you left your father and mother in the land of your birth and came to a people that you did not previously know. May the Lord reward your work and your wages be full from the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to seek refuge. Boaz acknowledges that Ruth did something incredible for Naomi. Okay, Ruth could have gone back to her family. She could have gone back to her parents. She could have had security. She could have been provided for. She could have remarried. But she stayed with Naomi. She demonstrated that chesed, that loyal love to Naomi. And she stayed with her so that Naomi was not a widow by herself in Jerusalem. And so Naomi is not alone. Ruth is with her. And Boaz is acknowledging the wonderful thing that she did for her mother-in-law. Um, so I think, I think Boaz's treatment of Ruth is just a small reflection of Yahweh's care for her. And I think the verse also hints that there is much more reward to come for Ruth than just the gleaning of the field. Verse 13. Then she said, I have found favor in your sight, my Lord, for you have comforted me and indeed spoken kindly to your maidservant, though I am not like one of your maidservants. Okay, so Boaz has relieved her fears. She feels safe. How would she be treated as a stranger and an alien in the fields of Bethlehem? I mean, there's a lot of danger there. And she knows now that she is safe in the fields of Boaz. And Boaz's generosity continues. In verse 14, um, at mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come here that you may eat of the bread and dip your piece of bread in the vinegar. So she sat beside the reapers, and he served her roasted grain, and she ate and was satisfied and had some left over. Um, notice that she's not only invited to work in the field along with the reapers, she's not only invited to drink from the water that her servants fetch, but she is also invited to sit at the table with Boaz and the other members of that family and the the workers, and she is allowed to eat there. This is a Moabite woman, okay, is allowed to come and eat with the Israelites. Just more extraordinary generosity shown by Boaz. And it continues. Verse 15 and 16. When she rose to glean, Boaz commanded his servant, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves, and do not insult her. Also, you shall purposely pull out for her some grain from the bundles, and leave it, that she may glean, and do not rebuke her. Okay, and so what he's saying she can do is that when the reapers would take the grain, and they would gather it, and they would, they would neatly stack it in piles, she is being allowed to glean in between those piles of grain. Um, it is... Um, far more than what is normally allowed for people to do. Okay, and so normally the workers would um, be harsh with someone who is doing that. And he is telling her, he is telling the workers that she's allowed to do that. She's allowed not only to glean after them, but to go in between the piles of grain. Um, And then um, 
he's allowing them to give her even more grain without any type of rebuke. I mean, it's just a, a, a lot of generosity. I think Boaz understood what was at the heart of the law that God had given to his people. I'm going to read to you Deuteronomy 24, 19. It's not up there. I'm just going to read it. And it says, When you reap your harvest in your field and have forgotten the sheaf in the field, you shall not, not go back to get it. It shall be for the alien, for the orphan, and for the widow, in order that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. Okay, so there's a demonstration here that Boaz knew the law of the Lord, and he followed it. And he showed a heart of great generosity. Verse 17. So she gleaned in the field until evening. Then she beat out what she had gleaned. And it was about an ephah of barley. Okay, so we all know what ephah is. I don't have to explain that. Um, okay. Ruth was a hard worker. An ephah of barley um, is, from what I've gathered, about 30 pounds of barley. Um, so she not only gleaned it, but she had to beat it out. This is all in one day. And she gathers 30 pounds of barley. It's an incredible amount of food. And so to put in perspective how much she gained, in ancient Babylon, an average ration for a male worker per day was about one to two pounds of barley. Okay, so she's, what, a half a month's worth, if that's, uh, if that's correct. And so she carries these 30 pounds back home. So she heads back home. Let's look at Naomi's reaction. Verse 18. She took it up and went into the city, and her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. She also took it out and gave Naomi what she had left after she was satisfied. Okay, so you can just try to imagine Naomi's face as Ruth returns, carrying this giant bag of barley with her, where Naomi was not expecting nearly that much, or maybe just expecting a report of something happening to Ruth. This is not at all what Naomi was expecting. Okay, so she uh, is interested in where, what, where Ruth got this from. And she, she asked that question in verse 19. Her mother-in-law then said to her, Where did you glean today? And where did you work? May he who took notice of you be blessed. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked. And she said, The, man, the name of the man with whom I work today is Boaz. Okay, so normally Naomi is understandably interested. She blurts out two questions. She doesn't give her any time to answer. And she just says, may he be blessed, whoever did this for you. She's very excited. And Ruth is able to tell her who it was. It was Boaz. Okay, and we know about Boaz because of verse 1 and everything that's happened. But Naomi, this is news to her. So in verse 20, Naomi says, uh, Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, may he be blessed of the Lord who has not withdrawn his kindness to the living and to the dead. Again, Naomi said to her, the man is our relative. He is one of our closest relatives. Okay, so the first thing I want you to notice that is that the word said is being used again. This one describing Boaz, okay? He has not withdrawn his kindness to the living and to the dead, okay? So to Naomi and to um, Elimelech for caring for Naomi and Ruth. <clears throat> But this verse is also very important because we see that Boaz is not just a relative, but he is a ga'al. Okay, that's the Hebrew word being used for closest relative here. Um, other translations translate it as guardian or protector or redeemer or kinsman redeemer. Okay, you guys have probably heard of this word before, kinsman redeemer. Um, the word is used of God in Exodus six six. 
It says, Say therefore to the sons of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you from their bondage. I will also redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgments. Okay, so God's is, God is Israel's Gaal. He rescues them from the slavery of Egypt. Okay, that's the one sense in which the word is being used. And then the word is also used of people. Leviticus 25, 25. If a fellow countryman of yours becomes so poor, he has to sell his part of his property, then his nearest kinsman is to come and buy back what his relative has sold. Okay, so a kinsman redeemer, someone within the same clan who is able to purchase back um, land, um, or, or he has lots of responsibilities, actually. Let me list a few. A kinsman redeemer can... As I said, repurchase a property once owned by a clan member, but he uh, but had to be sold of economic necessity. He can redeem relatives whose poverty forced them to sell themselves into slavery. He can avenge a murder. Um, he can also marry the widow of a man who had no children. Okay, I think we can see the obvious choice we're hoping for Boaz here. Verse 21. Then Ruth the Moabitess said, Furthermore, he said to me, you shall stay close to my servants until they have finished all my harvest. Okay, and so uh, Boaz is allowing Ruth to essentially have a job, to continue working with her hands, to continue to earn her living for her and Naomi. So verse 22. Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, it is good, my daughter, that you go out with his maid so that others do not fall upon you in another field. So Naomi gives her approval of Boaz and his plan. Okay, Naomi is extraordinarily happy and grateful. There's a different tone than the bitterness in chapter 1. She's now um, grateful and joyful. So verse 23. So she stayed close by the maids of Boaz in order to glean until the end of the barley harvest and the wheat harvest. And she lived with her mother-in-law. That is the end of chapter 2. So Ruth follows Boaz's instructions and has a job to provide for her and her mother during the time of harvest. So the need of food has been taken care of. Her and her mother have food. Um, she has a job. Um, at least until the harvest season, which is for a couple months. <clears throat> but then it ends on this note, and she lived with her mother-in-law. Okay, so... All of their needs have not yet been met. They're still um, waiting for someone to redeem them and provide family and protection for them. And so hopefully um, we'll see that fulfilled in the next few chapters. Okay, so what is this chapter telling us about? What are we learning? What does God want us to learn from this chapter? Okay, well, a consistent theme that I'll mention all throughout the book of Ruth is that while uh, well, during the darkest times of the book of Judges, we see that God practices his chesed to his promised people, okay? His loyal love. He's going to uh, continue to provide for them, even during the time of Judges, when they are so extraordinarily disobedient to him. Um, so God practices his loyal love to his people. And that is, we see that happening here where Ruth is planning 
uh, her day and what she's going to do, but God is guiding her steps. But also, what I want us to see is that Boaz and Ruth are examples here of God's loyal love that we should seek to follow. Um, it's easy to take for granted what Boaz is doing here. And if you just read the book, um, I, it's, it's good to read Judges and then read Ruth. Because then you have a good appreciation and grasp of what Boaz is doing. Um, Boaz's generosity and care for the foreigner is the rare exception in the book of Judges. You just don't see this happening. This is a picture of an Israelite man who is actually following the law of the Lord. Um, Imagine if everybody were doing this. Ruth is the picture of a woman who is also practicing the chesed of the Lord, the loyal love of the Lord. She is um, practicing her love and devotion to Naomi. And they're both giving us a glimpse of the character of Yahweh um, through their chesed. Ruth, through her loyal love for her mother, we see a picture of the kind of devotion that Yahweh has for her people. And then Boaz, through his loyal love towards Ruth, Okay, because he is offering, she is a foreign woman, poor, defenseless. He is offering her um, protection. He is extraordinarily generous with her. And he uh, is providing for her in the way in which the Lord um, designed his people to provide for the poor. So Boaz and Ruth are both examples for us, but they're examples of God's loyal love. And so Israel was supposed to be, um, they're supposed to separate themselves by obeying the law of the Lord. And by obeying the law of the Lord, they make themselves distinct and, the, and they become a light to the nations. And we see on both sides, someone very wealthy and someone very, very poor, they are both able to be an example of God's love. Um, for everyone. And I think this is a good thing for us to take away. How can we be an example of God's loyal love uh, to others? How can we be a light uh, to others for the sake of the gospel? Um, So that's what I want you to think about as you go out this week. How can I demonstrate God's loyal love to others? Um, As we see, whether you are on either side of the spectrum, um, it is something that you can do. You can demonstrate your loyal love uh, towards all people. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, we we are so thankful for your compassion and love towards each one of us, Lord. That you sent your Son, Christ, to die for us that you promised to rescue the world and you followed through with that promise even though the people of Israel um, made it seem like that was impossible. And so, Lord, we pray that you would use one of us in a way similar to what, how you have used uh, Boaz and Ruth. Um, 
May we demonstrate your love towards others so that they might know your love for them. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.